This is Women With Books, a collection of conversations about your favorite books, media, and all of the fabulous things in life. Curated by me, author Lindsay Emery. I'm so glad you're a part of today's chat. Hey everyone, I'm on week six of having my kids home from school um, because I think we got started a little earlier than everyone else because we had spring break and I just wanted to give you an update. Miraculously, we are all okay. That is my key word for these days. There are good hours and bad hours during these times, but overall, we're okay. My mantra actually is stay healthy. Stay healthy, stay healthy. As long as we are all healthy, we are okay. So please, I'm sharing this with you. Stay healthy, be okay. This week, I'm bringing you an interview from the before time. I interviewed my friend, Laura Lovely, about mermaids and her books and her podcasts. This interview originally was released on her podcast, The Mermaid Podcast, but she's graciously allowing me to share it here because it covers books and writing and deep thoughts about both. And that's really up my alley, obviously. So enjoy this special episode with Laura Von Holt, aka Laura Lovely, and stay healthy out there. everybody welcome to my own podcast <laughs> i'm laura von holt the fairy boss mother but today i have a special guest who's actually going to be introducing or interviewing me please welcome my good friend the idea expert Lindsay emery also author and host of women with books podcast thank you give me those reins let yes. me take over <laughs> take, <the> take over <laughs> do it <laughs> well i'm so excited that you asked me to take over your podcast <laughs> Because I don't know if your your audience knows, but you have appeared on my podcast several times. Yes. And I have had you on talking about your books and also talking about my books. <laughs> yes. I interviewed you for the Royal Runaway and your podcast, and then we put on the Mermaid podcast. So they Yeah. They oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We've yeah. been like switching back and forth. So hey, uh, Mermaid <laughs> Podcast audience. Maybe you've you've heard of me. But um, I was so excited when Laura asked me to do this today because she and I have great conversations off the air all the time yes. about her love and interest and experience high level of knowledge, <laughs> expertise, really, in the field of mermaids. So when she's like, hey, come and talk to me about my mermaid books, I'm like, yes, please, because I will be able to show everyone how smart you are and also um, try and also look smart. So um, just as a background, you were telling me that you have some books <laughs> yes, thank you, Lindsay. You know them, but I yes. they might not. <laughs> I was like, yes. so, yeah, you have and you've published two new books this fall, but you've yes. had some other books besides that. So what tell us about the titles of your books and then we're yes. gonna dig into them. Great. So in my romance empire, I have two series and they each have the first two out. So um the first series I started is called Sea of Love and the first book came out uh well 2017. I 
like to publish in the fall. Um, that was called King of the Sea, and it is um, that is a world that is inspired by The Little Mermaid. It is my version of what happens when The Little Mermaid falls in love. Um, and the second book of that came out this fall, and that was called Princess of the Sea. So King of the Sea is about the father of The Little Mermaid, and Princess of the Sea is about the little mermaid my little mermaid and then i have a second series called fairy tale remixes which are um they're more contemporary they're set in new york and they're about a lot of modern dating new york flavor um they are also inspired by by fairy tales and pop culture so the first one is called splash me that has a mermaid in it i mean she's a person with a mermaid tail um and it's inspired by my favorite 80s mermaid movie entitled splash with Daryl Hannah and Tom Hanks. Um, that one has a very sexy bent, um, but but a, but a, a sweet a sweet soft heart center. Um, and then the second book of that has a title which makes everyone laugh, including myself. And it is inspired by the Night Before Nightmare Before Christmas, and it's a Halloween slash Christmas romance called Pumpkin Pounder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those are my two series: Fairy Tale Remixes and Sea of Love. Um, and Sea of Love is kind of a historical fantasy. So it's set in the late 1800s around when perhaps Hans Christian Andersen was writing and inventing the little mermaid. And that's kind of like, I took a lot of artistic liberty and set the sea of love there. So we're going to get into all of those. Yeah. I have known you for like five or six years now. (gasps) So long, Lindsay. I know. And I have, um, actually you're in my phone in a, have you down as another name. <laughs> you can talk about all of my secret identities. Can I talk? Yeah. yeah. So I have you down. You were, I think when you originally introduced yourself to me, you probably said I'm Laura Von Holt, but I go by Von Hottie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I put you down as that in my phone and I will never take it out because I just thought that was so adorable. I'm like, I've never had someone <laughs> introduce themselves to me as Von Hottie before. Um, so I was like, okay, she's also known as, uh, Von Hottie, Laura Von Holt slash Von Hottie. And then you decided to start publishing. Um, I think your first book you mm-hmm. published under a pen name. Yes. Uh, which was Madame du Boudoir. You nailed it, Lindsay. <laughs> Pract- I've tried practice so many times. <laughs> it's like your native French speaker. <laughs> I, I, yes. Um, so you published uh, King of the Sea as Madame du Boudoir. And did you do Splash Me? Is that as well at first? Yes. And okay. then I rebranded. You rebranded this mm-hmm. fall. Mm-hmm. So, um, what is your new name? Oh, everybody, here you go. For the first time, I think yes. I've been the podcast. Historic. My- Historic. Right <laughs> My new pen name is Laura Lovely. Cannons glitter, yay. So I just thought it was important to share the, all of the names with your audience so they yeah. can at once um, sit back and wonder at mm-hmm. your unending font of creativity. <laughs> and also know, like, if they see, like, old social media posts mm-hmm. or, like, or do a search on Amazon, it might still come up as old names or whatever, yeah. but they all like you. Yes, exactly. It's all me. It's like, so just to touch on that, I have a theatrical background. I came to New York Uh, to do theater. I ran a theater company for over 10 years. It's still going. I'm just on kind of artistic hiatus. Um, And 
one of the things that I did when I first moved to New York is it was like right around the time that Paris Hilton was getting really famous and Kim Kardashian. And it was like the tabloids and the magazines were just like them doing nothing but posing in front of places and getting very famous. And I was like, ah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I remember. Yeah. I was like, this is the key to success. Um, And so at that time I had bought a um, vintage bathing suit. And so I like, this is an idea that happened kind of over brunch. So of course it was, there's a lot of mimosas and then we're like, this was genius. So what I started doing was I would wear my vintage bathing suit and sunglasses and pearls. And I would wear like a trench coat over it. And then I would walk around New York. I'd find a landmark. I'd throw off the trench coat and just start posing. Like I was very, very famous. And my, my friend is, uh, my friend Luke is a photographer. So I just dragged him around the city. Like he wasn't even know what we were really doing. Bless his heart. He always just follows me when I'm like, I have an idea. <laughs> so, um, so I, then I had all these hilarious photos of like me looking so glam, New York City landmarks, and then strangers in the background being like, "What?" <laughs> but just to make a point, like following you a lot around when you say, "I have an idea," it's never going to be like we're dumpster diving. It's going to be like we're going to go convince a rich widower to buy us champagne. Yes, yes. yeah. It was going to be an adventure. Yeah. Um, so I did that, and I made. Then I took those photos, and I made um, calendars for them. So I sold pinup calendars from them, um, and then like so for a little while, I was like, oh, kind of a night, like a nightlife figure. I was. It wasn't, it wasn't like Studio 54, but you know, I was, I was all over. And then I kept like, um, like I, I got interviewed for this. There was current TV was this internet web channel thing. And it was really cool. I got interviewed. They, they interviewed me and followed me around Coney Island while I took photos and I kept getting kicked out of Coney Island because I wasn't an official <laughs> Coney Island personality. And, then, and I got like, and I kept taking photos, which like I now was like, Ooh, that was kind of illegal. Um, but whatever, <laughs> like I went to like the top of certain buildings and took photos there. And then, um, the last calendar I did, we went to, Luke had to go to Paris for a wedding. So I was like, oh, me too. I'm, I'm coming. And so we, <laughs> we went to Paris. And so then, then I like literally walked all around Paris and then just kept throwing off my trench coat in Paris and doing like Bon Hadi in Paris. Um, and and we, what was the French reaction to this? Oh, so blasé. Like even in, even in New York, sometimes when people look at you, but they're not going to say anything. And in French, it was like, the French were just like, it was less than nothing. But because, of like, course. Yeah, exactly. Of course she's throwing off her trench coat. Exactly. Because like, you know, at least like in America, we still have like some puritanical values. So people yeah. are like, whoa, a lady showing off a bathing suit. You know, like, <laughs> like in French, they were like, oh, she's not even, costume. right. She's not even topless. <laughs> like, um, right. Except for I went to the Louvre and I stood in front of the Louvre and I did not know this, but there's kind of, now it's very clear. Um, but at the time it was like some sort of line that you had to know about at the, between where it's public property and like private property um, or government state, whatever property. And so I was just too close to the outside of the Louvre and I was, you know, posing, posing. And of course people were coming up and taking photos of me that like always happened. And then I was escorted off the premises. (laughs) <laughs> because in French, and I have sp- speak like high school French, so I could not really understand why. I just knew that like I gotta go. <laughs> so oh so that's where all the premises. And my favorite part is that you know, on the other side of the invisible line is where all the guys selling trinkets and postcards and stuff are, and they're all like, and you know, and they obviously know about the line because that marks the line where they can sell commercial goods. And I was taking commercial photos. So then they're all yelling in French. Like, I can't really understand, but they're obviously defending me. Like she's just taking a photo, like let her take a photo. <laughs> you know? So like, it's like French, but it's my New York mind was thinking, they're like, Hey, yeah, yeah. What's she doing? She's just taking a photo. She looks taking a photo. She looks good. Let her take a photo. You know? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> but like the French version of that. Um, and then they, I will, would they throw Beyonce out of the Louvre if no, she took her trench coat off? No. Beyonce would also yeah. had a press rep who would have made prior arrangements. Um, <laughs> so, and then I will just say, I'm not going to admit to this, but maybe perhaps I might have gone back inside the Louvre <gasps> and maybe perhaps I took some more photos. Unfortunately, the lighting was really terrible and they weren't like really usable, but I, oh, I may have. You made some security guards day though when they were oh. reviewing uh, yeah, probably if they have footage. Yeah, because it was in front of. If I was there, I was in front of the Venus de Milo. <laughs> so, like, if I was there, <laughs> I'm just saying that Dan Brown should have used this when he was like, "No, like we distracted them by using a, a pinup girl no, while we were over here stealing <laughs> the crime versus this movie." Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, no, so hold that on, was, I'm gonna write that down. Write yeah, that. no, write that yeah. again. Yeah, so the whole the whole Von Hotty thing was that I just I and it's I think it's something that still happens today, but it wasn't um it's just the idea that like I liked being, you know, self-elected to be famous and um that I had what I called was a brand of von hotness, which is kind of like whatever spirit within you is makes you like the most glamorous version of yourself. So I was like um, my whole mission is that I'm walking around in a bathing suit, being very glamorous and pedestrian at the same, literally pedestrian at the same time I was walking everywhere. And then um, I was like, my mission is to inspire people to be more themselves. And so I, you know, sell these calendars. I had a merch line. I had, I had underwear and t-shirts. <laughs> like, I think one of the first things you ever, you sent me like a, a Christmas package or, or some other kind of package and it had some Von Hottie merch in it. Yeah. And again, I remember being like, I, I didn't really know you that well at the time. And I'm like, she just sent me some thongs. <laughs> oh God, I forgot about that. <laughs> I don't know. You sent me something. And I was like, this is really cool, though. Like, I like this. I like having a friend that has her own merch. Well, I can't start anything without starting an empire. Like, it's just not going to be worth it to me to start if I don't have an idea for at least, like, four other revenue streams or, like ways to dominate <laughs> so just as a well I, I i'll get more I, no i'll go ahead and say it but when you're telling me all these stories and we, we're talking about all your pen names and stuff and this whole like revealing who you are dropping the trench coat bathing suit pearls sunglasses i've seen the photos it is very much has a mermaid vibe to it, it has a mermaid energy yes. like yes that from the beginning yes like, i had the pearl me, the pearl necklace was I called pearls of wisdom because I would all of the calendars had little bits of advice and I had like an advice blog where people could ask me questions and I was like right. I was like but yes. it's yeah it's very much like I'm going to reveal to you my true self yeah I'm going to shift between identities yes. magically and um and I, I know that's some of the conversations you and I have had about kind of the the iconography of mermaids and and what it means to people. But I think right there, it shows you've always kind of been developing those theories of identity and, and hidden identity and letting your true self fly and um, becoming famous. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think one of the, my inspirations has always been, the, um, there's that Botticelli Venus painting of like oh, yeah. the shell. And, oh, it, and yeah. it looks like, it totally almost you. looks like she's surfing onto land, but I, I mean, she's just in the water, but it's, to me, she's yeah, like there's surfing a lot of onto movement land. in that photo. Right. Yeah. So she's I surfing onto land and it's like, you know, this, this goddess revealed in a seashell of like flying hair. And it's like, what's she going to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, she looks so blase. Like, yes. Like I am coming on the wind <laughs> and this is just, you know, the thing I'm doing on a Tuesday. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> casual to casual mermaid Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So 
I don't know how. So that was Von Hottie. Yeah. And okay. So became Madame du Boudou. How did you get, how were you inspired to do Madame du Boudou? Oh, so that is where I think, again, like a theatrical background plays in that is that I knew that I was going to publish King of the Sea and then I needed a pen name. Mm-hmm. Um, because just so for people who aren't familiar with publishing, if you're, when you're publishing, I plan to publish with multiple genres. And so it's, it's for your readers. It's better if they know that like this name means this, this genre is what you're getting. So um, I wanted a romance pen name. And then I, I think it was just that what, what I was thinking about was like, who was telling the story and like, like I knew it was gonna be very like rich and like very, you know, purple prose and like flowery things and like this wild mermaid world. And so I wanted like the idea of like a, a woman who was like, kind of like Von Hottie, but I didn't think I should use Von Hottie, but like somebody who was like, I have this story to tell you and it's completely true <laughs> you know, about, about mermaids. So I invented the character of Madame de Boudoir, which literally just translates to like lady of the bedchamber. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, I also, I, I feel like it's just France. Uh, whenever I want to be fancy, I think of like French things, right? So oh, it's like, course. oh, yeah. so if you're going to be a fancy, it's got to be a French name. <laughs> like, <laughs> There's no fancy people in like the Czech Republic. Yeah. I mean, there might be that. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. going to be French. Yeah. So, um, and so then she was really more of a character. And in my mind, she was like, I, so a background is that like right before this, I had been working on a play by, um, that was inspired by the works of Washington Irving. And this is going to get like literary nerdy, but Washington Irving who wrote, um, the, uh, the headless horseman and like those famous, uh, like sleepy hollow kind of books, he would publish something under multiple pen names. Like it would be, there would be a name that was on like the front of the book. And then there would be four words by several people explaining how true this fairy tale was that he was about to tell. And all of those different people were always him. I love that. Right. So like I was, I think I had in my mind this idea of like many, many layers from the author, but they're all the same person. Yeah. So that's where where I think I was a little bit inspired by that is that it was like, I, Laura Von Holt do the actual typing work of writing mm-hmm. but like madame de boudoir is like and my origin story for her that was like in her bio was that like she was like found as an infant in like a trunk of pearls and raised in like the wardrobes of like the opera houses of paris you know like um so she claims to be descended from aphrodite and she's like a like a cousin of the mermaid and so these are the stories that she knows um it. And so that was kind of where that came from. And then also, like, Aphrodite is the goddess of love, but thinking of Aphrodite as Venus, Venus Botticelli, like, my mind, Aphrodite is the original, or one of the original mermaids. Like, the goddess of love is a mermaid as well. So, of course, she would write mermaid romances and love story. Yes. Yeah, when I first read King of the Sea, um, I think before it was published, mm. I, I just remember, I was so enamored with that voice. And you, I think your theater background really shows up then because I think you really did embody the Madame du Boudoir character yeah. and put that in the story. Um, and, and it's only like at the beginning, it's like the prologue. Right. She, she introduces in stuff and she's like, yeah. Oh, she like, you're introduces and like, we're all sitting in my salon. And yeah. We have she's champagne. Yeah. yeah. We're just, I'm going to tell you this story. <laughs> Which I, I loved and I, I would, not blame you if you kept Madame de Boudoir around forever, but this fall, actually, when you and I were visiting a foreign land. We were. We were in the United Kingdom. We were in the United Kingdom. <laughs> um, and maybe you probably had the idea before that, but that was when we tossed around, like, 
um, I think you said, I, I really need to come up with a new pin name because, um, because you were, um, you were publishing Splash Me and Pumpkin Pounder, which are more contemporary. Yeah. And Madame de Boudoir did not kind of fit on these contemporary fairy right. mixes as you right. So you wanted to kind of, I think, come up with one name to rule them all. Yes. And uh, I'll tell people, um, it was a very late night in a <laughs> beautiful, charming, historic English home. Yeah. And we came up with 3,000, 4,000. Oh, 3, I mean, by then it was like 1 a.m. and we've been drinking a lot of whiskey. And then it was like every any word that came to our minds, we're like, yes, that's a name. Yes. <laughs> like, I could have walked away with like the name like Laura Potato Fish. And we would have been like, yes. I think we were also we at better the point ideas. in whiskey drinking where we <laughs> yeah. were like, Laura Ashley. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Oh, wait. That's the name. And then we were Googling it being like, oh, did you guys know that's another name? Oh, no, we didn't remember that. And it was like, Laura Ingalls Wilder. Oh, perfect. <laughs> no. And we, were, we weren't quite getting that there were also other Lauras in existence. Yes. And um, I think we were trying out um, other first names. I think you were open to all sorts of things, not just right. Laura. So we were like, let's call her blah, 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 blah. And it was like, oh, that's a porn. We came up with a lot of porn. We would yeah. Google it and be like, that's a porn star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, who knew? <laughs> so I think we were like, Sinclair Ashley. Yeah. I, I don't know. And no offense. I mean, you, yeah, no these insults are all great names. Yeah. Porn stars. I mean, yeah. You guys have amazing names. Amazing names. Should <laughs> also be used, you know, for uh, a different kind of romance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think you were the one. I don't know. I don't remember us talking about Laura Lovely per se. Maybe you did. And like you went to bed in your room at the top of the house. Yes. And like the it was little, very. It was the oldest part of the house. It was from the 1500s. It was so appropriate yeah. for you. Like this yeah. fairy tale bedroom, like up yeah. in a tower. Uh-huh. And Laura von Holt went up there. And the next morning she came down. And she was Laura Lovely. It's so true. Let's just say that's exactly what happened. It, it really is. <laughs> yeah, it was. I it's what happened. Like, yeah. I was throwing around 3,050 names. Yeah. And being like, no, no, no. And you going like, okay, okay. And maybe like inside your brain, you already knew. Yeah. But from my perspective, the next morning you came down at breakfast and was like, I will be Laura Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yes, yes. Yes, uh, it was like a, a prophet, yeah. a prophet yeah. coming down. I mean, like, and I henceforth declare that I, <laughs> I shall be known. <laughs> and my new cover shall all have this name. We all went. Thank you. Bravo, bravo. Yes. Thank you, yes. It, yes. In my mind, that's how it happened. That, I think let's sure. just say that that's how that happened. That's pretty much what happened is I think I was just Googling words. I think I was looking up. Uh, because I like the idea since Madame de Boudoir is like, uh, it doesn't have the word love in it, but it has like the art of love in it, you know? So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, something yeah. that had love in it might be good. And then, um, I found Laura Lovely. And here uh, you are. And here I am. LauraLovelyBooks.com. And it's, it's set for another two years. At least. <laughs> at least until I have a whole new identity change. And I'm like, no, 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 this is who I am. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's maybe you can maybe you can get the it was only because we couldn't get the um website to laura ingles wilder it's so true i don't know who has that name <laughs> well now you are laura lovely and yes. that is officially on all yes your books on, now right yep yep they're all recovered. so if 
if people out there want to find your books, they need to go to, and I just did that this morning. Yeah. I was like amazon.com space more yeah. lovely. And yeah. they all start coming up. Yeah. And so now, like you said at the beginning, you've got two series. Mm-hmm. One is the contemporary uh, fairy tale remixes. Mm-hmm. And the other one is, um, what's it called? Something. Historical sea. fantasy, a sea Historical of love. Fantasy. Sea of love. Sea of love. Sea of love. I was trying yes. to say kingdom of the sea. I was like, yes. oh, that's close. There's I one. mixed them all up. Yeah. <laughs> sea of love. <laughs> so because we are on the mermaid podcast right now, I thought we would talk about some mermaid topics. Let's do something? it. Okay. Yeah. So there was this movie called yes. Little Mermaid. Oh. That, yeah. Um, <laughs> you might you might have heard of it. Is, is it by Lee Laura Ingalls Wilder? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, it's pretty much that old. It came yeah. out in 1989. The movie the came out in 1989, yes. Original, mm-hmm. The original animated yes. movie came out in 1989. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this, but it was loosely based on a fairy tale oh. by Hans Christian Andersen oh. that was first published in 1837. Whoa. I know. Mermaid podcast people. Oh, I can be educational too. Yeah, this no, thank you. Is, I'm, I'm going to be educational. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there is a generation of people that only know the movies. Um, but you know, some of us remember a time before. And so I was wondering like where on that generational shift, did you know of the fairy tale before you, be- you, Saw the movie? Yes, I'm like I'm like of the one of the last generations of people who like remember mermaids before the Little Mermaid. I think, um, which is totally fine that people start with Little Mermaid. It's a the movie is a great place to start. Um, but it's it's kind of like that thing too of like I think like I remember when I got an email address. I remember like when I got a cell phone. You know, it's like I remember when yeah. there, was, there was not yeah. a Disney mermaid. Um, there was life yes. before and life yes. after. Yes. yes. So my first real memory of like a mermaid stories is I think I had a couple of like beautifully illustrated children's books um, that had some version of Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tale. And I remember we also had this like encyclopedia. It was like several encyclopedic books that were just fairy tale collections. And I like wish we had kept those because they were like blue and gold and I'll never know who they were by, but I remember a lot of the stories from them. Um, and I remember that had a little mermaid version. And then there is something that if you, you guys should YouTube this fairy tale theater. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was like, I think it was this. like a TV show. I feel like we got, we watched them on VHS from the video store or maybe they're on TV. I don't really remember, but fairy tale theater and Shelly Duvall was the host and she would always come on and say, hello, I'm Shelly Duvall. And she'd be like in another <laughs> outfit. I probably, this is now that I'm thinking about this is where a lot Whoa, this is where like everything comes together. Hello, I'm <laughs> Shelly Duvall. But she was always like something besides Shelly Duvall because Shelly Duvall would then be one of the characters in the fairy tale. And so it was like, um, it was like, oh my gosh, it, was, it was like a movie. Totally, this is all coming yes. together now. So it was like a movie, but it was also kind of staged, more like a play. But it would be um, a, a different fairy tale every time. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I loved fairy tale theater, and they did have a Little Mermaid one, and I can't remember who plays the mermaid, but it was great because, like, even though they were solo budget, like you know, it was the sets were like 
plays almost. It wasn't like a full movie. Um, they still did a lot of underwater stuff for The Little Mermaid, but they weren't underwater. They just did some like really amazing like basic stage tricks. And I think I'm, probably it was just like a blue water background and then like I think like a paper version of her swimming, but they somehow had her face too. So there's like, she's on a rock and she's like, Oh, you can't see me if you're on a podcast, but she's just kind of like looking around and her hair is like kind of floating a little bit. And then like the mermaid moves a little bit. And I think it was just like, they were doing like stop motion almost. Um, so it was very basic stage tricks, but they still got like the underwater feeling for the underwater parts. Do you do it. show notes? Do you do show yes, notes? Yes, I'll do show notes and put those. She will put this in the, in the show, show notes. notes. Yeah. She didn't give me the reins to those, unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I'll do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was one of my like one of my first memories. And then, and then I feel like I know the movie came out in 1989, but I think I really saw it a little bit later, like maybe yeah. 91 or 92. I don't, um, I do remember we had a VHS copy of it and my brother who is five years older than me was always watching it. And I was like, you don't like this. And then I realized he totally had a crush on Ariel and she just was like a girl swimming around in a bra. And I was like, you, <laughs> <laughs> But, but like we did, it was on in the house a lot because my brother liked The Little Mermaid. <laughs> like, That's interesting. I yeah. haven't heard that before. <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry, just sold him out on his teenage crush. Whatever. Yeah. Who else I'm not better? to listen to this one. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't listen to the podcast. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was my like early experience is like Hans Christian Andersen and then other mermaid fairy tales which i don't remember the full story is just kind of like the tone and the gist of some of them yeah well and what's crazy is that for those of us who do remember or have read um hans christian anderson fairy tales is that they um you don't realize until you become an adult i don't think that they are really dark yeah and gory and have all sorts of hidden meanings in them that you didn't understand when you were a kid and your parents just were like, well, here's something for a kid to read. Yeah. Um, like I think the little Mer- Hans Christian Andersen version had like, everyone was, they were supposed to murder sailors. Yeah. They? yeah. Uh, no, they, I think it mentions something a little bit about them drowning. So what's interesting is like, I don't think I actually read the original text of the Hans Christian Andersen Little Mermaid until I was an adult because okay. a lot of the kids versions kind of even gloss over some of it and make right. it a little bit, a little bit but less sad than the, it is. I remember the thing about, it's like, it was physically painful for her to yes. walk on human when she, feet. When she gets feet, it feels like she's walking on knives. Yes. Yeah, really, really painful. There's, there's a whole I mean, there's a whole bunch about that about that is so dark. So it's like it's like the kind of Victorian where you're like, well, Victorians are weird. <laughs> like, they're not as like it's not like beautiful Christmas scenes like we think of Victorians. They're like, oh, they're kind of dark. Um, we did on when I had uh, Sasha Coward on one of the episodes, and he was talking about the queer history of the Little Mermaid. He had like a lot of like hidden context to talk about. But um, yeah, it's it's really sad. It's really dark it's really painful for her to be a human and it's and, and and then also what kind of breaks my heart is that all of her interactions with humans are so tragic and that's i think that's kind of one of the reasons why i started writing mermaid romances so many of the mermaid stories um like old legends you know stories from like victorian area or even like slightly more modern folk tales they all have some element of tragedy like the, a woman will be her lover is lost to her. Or he's died and she throws herself into a river and turns into a mermaid, you know, or like um, a fisherman will find a mermaid and he'll be able to 
take her home and she'll be his wife and they'll have children. And at some point she has to abandon the family and return to the sea. And so there's always this element of like, they can, mermaids can only be with us for a short time. And they're, and the whole interaction, the whole experience is some, at some point couched in tragedy. And so there's, they're beautiful stories, but, but I was always like, don't they just get to have a nice time for once? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know which, I, I find it so fascinating because it's, you know, as I think you and I have talked about in that episode you're talking about too, I'm sorry, I forget his name, but the undercurrents of um, kind of the, the queer aspect, the misogynistic things. I think those of us in the 21st century, we see that and we want to fix it. Exactly. Yeah. Like you said, like we want to give those people a happy ending. We want yeah. you to be whoever you want to be. We want you to be able to love whoever you want to love, yeah. have live, live wherever you want to live, have yeah. whatever collections you want to yeah. have. Get, get all your treasures. <laughs> which I think is interesting because of the, and then because of authors like you, because of that authors like you, are wanting to give them their happy endings. And, yeah. and then what that means in today's book world is turning it into a romance. Yeah. I think. Right. Um, so I don't, I think that makes sense that the next evolution of the Hans Christian Andersen fan fiction, essentially mm-hmm. that started with um, kind of the retellings that we saw as a kid and then it became Disney fied. And then we're all kind of, we're working up to, like we love the fantasy part, but yeah. we really want to create a world that we would want to live in. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is, which is very interesting to me. I, I do think when I was kind of doing a little bit of this very scholarly research for this podcast, mm-hmm. I was thinking about Hans Christian Andersen and wondering like, what do you think he would think today if he saw like his story being Oh, transformed the way it has. I don't know. I mean, I mean, a Hans Christian Andersen scholar, like the Hans Christian Andersen Institute might have like a very specific answer, but I would hope just from his own like life experience that we know, I would hope that he would be happy that like, like, cause what he was writing, if you want to take it as a little bit of an allegory is like, mm-hmm. it was a lot about the pain of like not of unfulfilled love and, and the pain of not being able to be who you are um, and the pain of being othered from, the mainstream world. So I'd hope he's, he would be happier that like there's, there's more available. There's more that's acceptable or tolerated, I I guess, um, to, to people and to be how they are. I mean, also from like a mermaid mogul standpoint, if 40 years from now, I knew that like my one story had inspired like a multi bajillionaire empire. I would be like, you're welcome everyone. And (laughs) And where is my check? <laughs> and where is my check? And my estate will be contacting you for my check. <laughs> and, you know, um, but no, because of the Little Mermaid has inspired so many other, so many pieces of fan fiction, so many other pieces of medium. There's a like you know almost every mermaid story that comes out now has to acknowledge Disney's Little Mermaid and Hans Christian's Little Mermaid in some way. It's just it's just a progenitor of any mermaid story now. So. Well, that actually leads me into my next question very yeah. well. Um, your your books, King of yes. the Sea and Princess of the Sea. Yeah. Where, what are you? What were your influences there with regards to? So, if we have a spectrum yeah. of Hans Christian Andersen to Ariel's Dinglebopper, yeah, Dinglehopper, yeah. Dinglehopper. <laughs> um, you know, where do your books fall on that spectrum, and like, what influences did you pull from both? 
Sure. I think mine would go on like a slightly different branch. So the first point too that I want to make out that I want to make is that um, for people who aren't as familiar with the romance genre, like some people have a conception of it as like Rip is Botters and Fabio and they don't really know what happened in the books. But like one of the things that the reason why I chose to write romance genre books is that the premise of a romance is that it will have an emotionally satisfying ending. It will have a happy ending. And the thing that I love about the romance genre is that the whole point, it's not just a love story of like person A gets with person B, but what, but what it talks about is that both characters by the end of the book have to have a vision of their lives, which is um, wholehearted. So it's, it's not just that like they fell in love and now they make out a lot and it's great. Um, but that they are partnered that like they have, they have reached a version of a vision of their life that where they are their fullest selves. They are their most, com- they are their most complete. They are their best selves. They are the most accepted and partnered in that version of themselves. Like there's nothing they have to change unless they're being a jerk and they have to stop being a jerk, <laughs> you know? But the idea of romance is that two people get together, but the life that they create is something that is whole wholehearted. And there's like, plenty of room for like happiness and possibility within that. So that's why I think it's a great genre for mermaids because like I said, I wanted to get away from the tragedy of it. Um, And so I think where I come down is I definitely draw from Hans Christian Anderson because I was, I was thinking about like, I was thinking historically, I was also, when I was thinking about where I wanted to write, I didn't want there to be a lot of technology yet. I still wanted the idea of like ship sailing and like shipwreck and um you know like the unexplored sea and there are still islands maybe that we don't know about you know i still wanted some some mystery to the layout of the world like there aren't deep deep diving sea vessels that can like be like no we found the floor nothing there (laughs) 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 so i wanted there to be enough mystery um i think i definitely drew from hans christian anderson in that way and then in um he because he doesn't really name anybody so it's like there is no ariel in in his in his book he just says the sea like she tells her father that she's in love and the sea king is like don't go through the surface um and so there's like not a whole lot about the world although she does have a grandmother i think that she talks to a little bit and there's there's like little hints of that undersea world but not not a lot so i just took kind of some little bits from there and then imagined what it might be i think i drew from the disney version in that um like i always found Triton with his silver hair and broad chest to be very attractive. Uh, so he is a very virile figure in my mythology. And I also took, um, when they named the King Triton in the Disney version, they're drawing from a Greek mythology. And so um, when I was a little girl, my grandmother would read a children's book of Greek mythology to me. So I knew the pantheon of gods and goddesses. So I was drawing from um, the idea of a Greek uh, I don't know if he's technically a demigod. I call him a demigod, but he's he's part god, um, who's the merman that can like rule the sea and you know um, make water do things and and control the elements. Um, so I was drawing from Greek mythology in that, um, and then I think I was kind of making up my own thing based on. I mean, Splash is always um, a reference point for me because it is a love story. Like you know, Tom Hanks jumps in the water at the end of Madison Allen and and Alan dive into the sea and they end up in this like glittery underwater palace. Like you just see these like lights of a mermaid city in the background as they like, as the movie fades. And I love this idea that like, yes, the mermaid kingdom is this like glittery, maybe crystal palace. It's just like a lot of bioluminescence. I'm not really sure, but like that's where they can go be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So 
I was drawing from that. I mean, and then also it was a little bit of just like straight up fan fiction of like, look guys, Triton's really hot, but he needs to change his mind about humans. Okay. Oh, I just yeah. made a point with a mermaid pen. as I said. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's holding, for those listening, she's holding a pen that has like a mermaid tail and she yeah. just pointed it at me. <laughs> <laughs> he just changed his mind. Um, he needs to change his tail. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for King of the Sea, I said it in about like 1870 something. Um, and I, what I wanted to, I have, I have, this to me is a family saga. This is like when the Little Mermaid falls in love with a human. So this is the other thing that I get angry about. Okay. This is where I'm okay. going to get out of my soapbox. Is that whenever there is... Now to the unpopular opinion portion. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Hashtag don't at me, but go ahead and at me. I'll talk to you about it. <laughs> I like um, Is whatever there's like a love story that's going to shake up like the world, I feel like sometimes that gets really glossed over. It's like, oh, they end up together and then, oh, it kind of works out. And I'm like, no, you have just caused like stratospheric change for two different places. So like, I think part of what I was thinking was like, if Romeo and Juliet had worked out, right? Okay, if they hadn't like accidentally taken some poison or whatever, if it had worked out, you would have had two of the like most influential families in Verona suddenly united and forced to work things out, okay? Yeah. What would that have done? <laughs> Lindsay, you're going to be really happy with me right now. What would that have done <laughs> for the economy? of Verona. <laughs> what would that have done for like regional politics? <laughs> you know, like, like what would that mean for like two really important families to like go together? Would that be a dynasty? Like, would it be like, would they be bigger, richer, stronger? Would it fall apart? Like, no. what, is, what does it mean? Right. No. Um, so like, so an enemies to lovers is one of my favorite tropes. You know, I love oh, it when yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. when it's like this princess to marry the princess from the opposite family. And then they're like, I hate you, but I love you. I'm like, yes. yes. <laughs> oh <So> God. <laughs> like, so good. Um, so I was thinking like, okay, for real, if, if the little mermaid and her human prince, get together and they work it out great they have a wedding but also like then you have an entire mermaid kingdom at risk for exposure to the humans right and then you have a european kingdom that suddenly has like a sea element in, in their bloodline in their politics in their like environmental are they relations. gonna have mermaid babies oh yeah they're gonna have babies yeah <laughs> no, but do, is mermaidism like genetic so i'm still working on what i think my exact mythology okay. is but my like basic because i because i do have to make that's the other thing i learned too is like once you start world building you got to make like decisions and it's almost like almost feels like a personal religious spiritual stance on like what i think mermaid babies can do i'm like i'm inventing them <laughs> like um but i do I do in my mythology when I do this for world building and also just because it was a little bit easier to put people in places was that my mermaids they have tails underwater and they can shift to legs on land and so they can go back and forth um, and that's kind of something I borrowed I think from Splash but also from other like ancient mermaid mythologies where like um, the Selkies like have a skin they put on and they become like steel women they take them off and they're women women um, so I think that they will have mermaid babies. I think their babies will be able to swim underwater and have tails, but I think some of their, they might have different abilities and they might not. Um, I'm going to, I have to play around with how long I think they can be underwater, what, how natural it is for them to go between both. I bet you would really love to talk about that with some of your audience. 
Totally. Anything that you guys are yeah. like, any opinions you have about mermaid babies and half mermaid babies or like mermaid relations uh, and human relations, if you want to email me, podcast at cinderly.com. We could talk about it all day. We could take listener yeah. questions. If you guys want to send me listener questions, like what do what what do I think mermaids do? Like I will answer everything in my brain about that. I think that would be yeah. really well. I mean, I don't want to like put you yeah. out there, but I, I just know you so well, and I yeah. know that like I know that your audience probably like is right now going like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. So yes. um, like that w- that could be really fun is to have yeah. an episode of like everyone sharing their ideas. Yes, send me your ideas. I will be happy to talk about them. You can ask me questions and I'll tell you what I think or you can tell me what you think and we can talk about it. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Mermaid Podcast. But Laura's ideas are her own. My wow. ideas are my own. I should just say that, <laughs> right. Like this is the full disclaimer that like anything that ha- ends up in my book is my own idea and I'm not like cop whatever intellectual property something 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 yeah she's talked to me about it already i know she already had the idea yeah exactly but i would love to hear what you guys think and i would love to like talk about what you guys think yeah i know that that really would be exciting because all of this is is because i mean as far as we know Mm -hmm. mermaids are probably fantastical they're probably and so or or if they aren't real we don't know much about them right so all of this is is like imagination and 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 i hate to say this word but fan fiction i think you Mm -hmm. might have used the word already and or i might have um and so yeah i mean we could you could come up with any possibility and that is so exciting for a storyteller and um to and i think why the audience loves to keep thinking about them and talking about them is that um, we could be whoever we want. We could yeah. just, we only have to dream. Oh my gosh, that sounds dream. very Disney. Yeah, like, right yeah. <laughs> I, but I think you're actually getting exactly, like it's something I talk about with, like almost every podcast guest, but something that I think too is that when you look at the history of human fascination with mermaids, there's the first, the idea that there's like people like us under the water is like kind of like beautifully self-involved and arrogant. And that like, Oh, if it's happening on land, it must be the same underwater. Obviously there's people up here. There's gotta be people down there. Um, but so, so, but the whole history of our, of our interaction or fascination with the idea of mermaids is, is like, what do they do? And what are they capable of? And how are they like us? And how are they not like us? And I've said this before, but I think I think this is a an idea that is very very old, and it's definitely prevalent in a lot of like medieval kind of stories. Um, I was talking with Sasha about how like the the ocean is to people in past centuries, like outer space is to us now. Like we can explore and voyage in it, but there's, it's completely unknown. Right. And so before people could go out of this planet, like the ocean was the, was the complete unknown. Like there were edges to the map. They're like, we don't know. So we put a dragon there. (laughs) You know, (laughs) what's there? I don't know. Um, And so I think that also, um, I think the sea is a mirror. And I think that mermaids are are ways we think we have questions about ourselves and our identities, maybe our capabilities or what does it mean to be human? And mermaids are like a way to think about that uh, so that we can think about ourselves without having to think too far about ourselves. We can imagine all of that onto a mermaid and then, and then take what we want from there. I love that. I love that so much. Um, I don't, I know that podcast is probably running long, um, but you and I could probably talk for hours about this. So I do have a couple more very important questions. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, One is, this is very, very important. It's highly controversial. Great. In Hans Christian Andersen's story, 
did the mermaid have red hair? No. That is a complete Disney invention. I Does she have red hair in your books? No. Oh. Um, mainly because I was trying to... You're I canceled. I'm canceled. Sorry. <laughs> wah, wah. Um, no, she does not. Mainly because I wanted to... Well, so the irony of that is that everyone in my life knows that I love redheads. And the Fifth Fairy Tale remixes, there's a redhead in every book because I just like redheaded men, especially with beards. Um, mm-hmm. And in my mind, Triton, before he was silver, was redheaded. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and uh, the Little Mermaid's name in my mythology is Amarine, which is a word for aquamarine. Aquamarine is a great mermaid movie. Um, so, but she has dark hair with kind of red and gold highlights. And I also have this mythology that like the mermaids have their human form and then their mermaid form is just like a lot more shimmering. There's a lot more like nuance to their, the colors and their tails, whatever. But she has kind of a green tail, but with red and gold highlights and her hair is dark, but it's got red and gold in it. And she's like shimmery when she's in her mermaid form. Um, but yes, yeah, she does not have red hair, and I did that mainly so that I could um, just be my own thing. Yeah, okay. I just remember um, whenever that happened, the whole red hair thing. Oh, when they were doing casting in a Little Mermaid movie, and, they, and yes. Hallie, yeah, people were like, Hallie Bailey doesn't have red hair. Yeah. Yes, and okay. I think like we got on Twitter, and I was like, what the heck is happening yeah. <laughs> to I know. the world? I know. <laughs> You'll I be okay, everybody. Know. But I think, again, the the best take on that whole silliness is that it shows how beloved that movie is. Yes. To yes. several generations now of people. Yes. And that how impactful it was and how it really did change the way that we all see mermaids. Yes. I mean, it's hugely, it's hugely impactful. And I mean, it'll be for like centuries and centuries after us. Like it's going to be a long time before people don't think, of a mermaid is automatically having red hair in some way, you know? Yeah. Um, so and collecting forks and yeah, things. exactly. Exactly. Which I mean is, is, is great. Like it's a testament to like how, how keenly the makers of that movie tapped into like some collective consciousness that like, um, and the, the other great thing is they weren't really doing anything old. Like there's old mermaid portraits of like mermaids with cooking pots under the sea. Like they, as if they just do kitchen stuff, like we do kitchen stuff, you know, um, like, like, you know, and, and maybe they found these things in a shipwreck or maybe like they just have everyday mermaid lives too. Um, but, and that I think is also something interesting, which uh, is that our idea of mermaids is sometimes changes, but a lot of times they're just as fascinated by us as we are by them. You know, so this idea that, um, that Ariel, um, wants to be a part of our world and that she thinks all the things that we have are magical are, I think a great way for us to reflect back to ourselves, like what is good and cool about human nature and human life. And I think part of the, the tension between, um, in these mermaid stories where there's a human and a mermaid is like, sometimes the idea is like, no, they absolutely cannot live together. Like, like then humans must be this one way and mermaids must be this one way. And when you have a story where they end up together, but you have to then be like, what are the parts of each of these things that works? And what are the parts that have to be forged new? Um, and that's a lot of what I was talking about in princess of the sea. Cause like I said, I get mad when there's like no, no discussion of what, what this means for like, a European kingdom and an under the sea kingdom for like a, a marriage like this to happen. Um, and so a lot of the, there's not a whole lot that happens in it. Cause I don't like to write too many scary things. I want everything to be nice. Yeah. 
Um, but a lot of the, the conflict in the in the book is that there's two people who just fall in love. They're basically teenagers, and then they're like, "Oh wait, we're just dumb teenagers." Like, and all of a sudden we're like both going to inherit kingdoms, and they they're ones on land, ones under the sea, and we have to like prove to our cool dads that we're not total idiots, <laughs> you know? Um, and they have to be like, it's so well and good to like run away from your undersea kingdom, go live in your prince's palace, and make out with him all the time. And good thing he has like a pool in his house so I can like hang out in the water. But what about when like, you know, what about what they have allies in other kingdoms? Like, what are they, you know, what do we, do we tell anybody? Do we keep it secret? Um, you know, what are like courtiers in the palace going to think about this? And then also like, how do I'm thinking I, this is told from the perspective of Amory and the mermaid, but like, how do I like reconcile my land life with my sea life? And do they have to be completely separate? Can I exist in two places at once? Can I be fully accepted by my partner as both a mermaid and as a woman? And like, can he love both of those parts? And then at the end, at the end, he has an opportunity to come underwater. And it's like, how is like, it's not just enough for her to adapt and be accepted by his family. She also wants, you know, him to be welcomed into her background and her clan. And this is going to be very, very dorky of me. And again, proof that you and I could talk about this stuff for a long time. (laughs) As I'm almost seeing this is maybe this is the next generation, if you will, the next wave of where mermaid stories can take us Mm -hmm. is that using it as a metaphor for immigration and Mm -hmm. diversity and cross-culturalism and like how, because everything you're saying right there, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this whole world needs to learn these stories about how it's not the end of the world if you go marry someone from another land and adopt their customs and like how that's actually going to make us richer and and stronger um and you know because we've kind of reached the point where I think everyone's like yeah 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 mermaids as a metaphor for sexuality and blah 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 I mean yes we still need to and yeah. then there's still a lot of depth to be mined there. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, maybe the next generation of mermaid stories led by Laura Lovely mm-hmm. could be introducing us to the wider worlds of, um, you know, again, worlds meeting and, and the impacts that it can have, but also yeah. good and bad. Um, yeah. Just well, no, I think, I think you're totally, I think you're totally, I think you're hitting on something. I think you're hitting on what mermaids might end up be meeting at least in the next de- decade or so. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of like, there's one route you can go, which is like the siren show on Freeform. Like yes. it gives them a great opportunity where they can talk about environmentalism. They can talk about, you know, like overfishing. They can talk about um, like kind of, I mean, they're almost talking about like, um, like some sort of like ethnocentrism when it's like, oh, mm-hmm. the humans want to assert themselves over the mermaids and believe that they are just monsters or animals. And it's like, well, they are like have actual ethics and you're just destroying their world. You know, um, I think also in Siren, there's, there's a polyamorous relationship. And so it gives um, like, that is, I actually really like what they're doing there, not just for polyamory and, and inclusivity, but also that because usually tension is like, oh, will, like, will this guy leave his human lover for his mermaid lover? And it's like, they have to be against each other. And this is like, within the workings of a polyamorous relationship, they're talking about like, um, you know, how can we involve all the parts of ourselves? How can we involve all the parts mm. of our lives? It, like, not that there's, a, that there's not a choice that you choose between, but that like, all of these things, like if these three people could work it out, like can the larger world work it out? You know, can we? And I also think that like mermaids a lot, 
they're also standing for like the, what I would call like the animal parts of ourselves. You know, the like we mm. want to be like civilized, intelligent human beings, and maybe not admit that we have like animal urges or like. But um, so, like I think throughout history, especially like literature and history, mermaids have been a stand-in for like the parts of ourselves that were passionate, that were fierce, that were aggressive. That could also be predators. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, and whatever the current cultural norms were, they were um, they were literally like as the way that a mermaid holds up a mirror, they were holding up a mirror to show a different side of ourselves. So mm-hmm. I think for the next the next few decades, at least, I think the. I think something that we're struggling with culturally, and I think this art is always a reflection of this, is that we are struggling with our place in the world and how we integrate the world and globalism. And mm-hmm. globalism, not just between cultures, but between like our planet, you know, our, like the planet that is disappearing. And you can use mermaids as a metaphor for like the planet that's disappearing, the na- like the parts of nature that are going away. Um, but also like, do we like, do we come back to that parts of ourselves that we save the planet, we save our, we save parts of ourselves. Um, and then I think also like, I hope the vision of the world is as a uh, and, you know, the world has always been global. There's always been, you know, like the history of, of music course. shows this, like, like every instrument came from somewhere else and it got played by somebody else. And then we got this music and it never came from one place, you know? Um, right. But, but our food, as, our food right. always came from someplace. Else. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's always been a culture of sharing around the globe. But um, as that gets like easier, easier with travel and with uh, technology, um, you know, we, I think there's a movement in our world for isolation. And I think yep. the reality of the world is that we are, we are moving towards uh, real globalization of like real inclusivity of like, we can't like one country cannot stand alone from the others because we have to work together to save the planet that we live in. Um, you know, you can try to go and conquer space, but we're all going to end up out there anyway. So you might as well just like work together. Um, but I think also what people are looking for in their lives is this idea of wholeheartedness and fulfillment. We don't have the same um, social strata that we used to with like a, like in the, like English with peerage, like there's a monarchy and then there's a Lord and there's mm-hmm. thousands of serfs, you know, like um, it's, this is a very American idea that like we're all equal and there's opportunities for everybody. But and when certain way certain social strata falls, we're left with a shifting identity about what our place is in the world and what it means, and also what and what our identities are. And I think mermaids again show our let our imagination wander and show up this mirror to us that we can decide like do I want to keep like just this human self this way? Or do I want to think that maybe there is another way out there? And like, if I embrace this, this mermaid idea of myself, can I be the most wholehearted version of myself? Can the world be united? You know, can like, Mm -hmm. do we have to be one or the other or can we be integrated? And I think, you know, with, I think there's a lot of like, uh, religion is not what it used to be for people. There's like a spiritual sense that people are looking for. And I think, I think some of the ways that like, um, like cosplay and fantasy um, and fantasy fiction and like Harry Potter, like those have come to like fantasy ideas have come to replace some sort of like spiritual touchstone for ourselves as we have a shifting identity. And like, we all, I think we always want some sort of sense of like good and evil and ethics, but in a world that's changing, it's hard to figure out where that is. And I mm-hmm. think, um, I think that's part of the reasons why like mermaids and unicorns and fantasy are so big right now is people are one, there's a nostalgia for like a, a simpler time and like a childhood fantasy. But I think also people are looking um, for, 
for like signposts or touchstones in what they want the world to look like and what they want their place in the world to look like. Right. And that's why I was going to kind of bring it all back together, which was that that's the duality, right? Yeah. The duality of this podcast, that's the duality of um, your books, Mm -hmm. of Laura Lovely books that we have these, these fairy tales. Um, You you write contemporary or historical fairy tales that can give you ways to work through stuff Pardon me, my dog. Heads on the podcaster good luck. It's the podcaster good luck right here. Um, Sorry about that. Well, you have to say your dog's name so that everyone can then be like, there's a dog. My dog is Bodie. (laughs) He's he's the cutest dog. Don't try to deliver something to my house, though, because you will be killed. I would Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the duality of that, we have these stories, contemporary historical fairy tales that can um, subconsciously or consciously, we can work through these issues, these dilemmas, but they're also pretty and fun yeah. and make you feel good. And there's sex and there's yeah. pretty gowns and there's humor and you have, you know, that we can have these things that do both, right? Yeah. You can, you can have a Laura Lovely story that, um, that lets you think deeply on the meaning of mermaids, but also like, oh my gosh, this is the cutest thing ever. Right. And this is like, oh, this is what I always wanted was for yeah. Ariel to have sex. Right, <laughs> so. right, right. And what you're and they're and their their hair changes colors or like or whatever it is that you like about like a mermaid story, like, oh, she like got into scrapes with her like fun human friends, you know, like an aquamarine, there's just all sorts of like dating yeah. things that are really cute yeah well and that's yeah. what in this world when we're all very concerned about very big issues that are going on and like i don't want us to deny ourselves right. the the happy ending like right. yes we can yeah. have these talk conversations we need to be talking about them but um because you and i both write romance and happy endings that if, if people are out there and you don't read romance um me and laura would love to give you some recommendations, recommendations. because I feel like that balance is exactly what we need. We need the things that make us happy as much as um, we need to educate ourselves into making a difference. So, well, right. And I think this is where like books, books and stories really come into place. There's that expression of like, you can't be it until you can believe it. You can't be, you can't be, you can't be what you can't see. Um, And I think that's where, where like books and stories come in is that like, if you can imagine a world, then you can make it, so, you know, and then also mm-hmm. that, like, to me, it's the, the idea of the world getting better is exciting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, that's telling me. I, right. I like, that. yeah. <laughs> like, um, and, and that, you know, like the more creativity and joy that we have in our, in our lives and around us, like, hopefully, like the better and more creative we will be and the more that we will make the world better and more creative. And so like, I think something like a story where, you know, a mermaid's doing something or there's like a, you read about like made up kingdoms, you know, but like just um, that like, like world change doesn't have to be dreary or like, Mm -hmm. um, or boring or anything. Um, And that like the way that we can envision um, like a different world for ourselves is like a fun process. Yes. And girl, we could probably talk another hour on all that. Yeah. To wrap it up, if I may. Yeah. Okay. Um, I hate to put you on the spot, but I really want to know what's next for Laura Lovely. Um, do we have Ooh. any more um, fairy tale remakes? Yes. Or Sea of yes. Love books to look yes. forward to? Okay. Yes. 
So I'm not going to give release dates because I always mess those up and push them back. So let's just say, let's see, I have, I have uh, an idea for another fairy tale remix, which we kind of plotted out in um, the UK. We plotted several out. Oh, whiskey. sorry. The, so one that one? I, the one that was the most coherent, <laughs> I think, was um, working title is English Cucumber. <laughs> Okay. This is the one where it was like based on the map. Okay. Remember Lindsay, we were getting salads in, um, what's the big Herod's? Oh, and we were getting oh, salads. Yes, yes, yes. We were getting this salads one, oh in Herod's. This one is the best story <laughs> yeah, ever. Okay. Yes. We plotted so this we out. We were getting ha- salads in Herod's and there was this like adorable ginger man in this suit with this like beautiful we red beard. <laughs> we followed him around a little bit. Um, sorry, sir. <laughs> and, uh, and he was ordering salad and they put like so much cucumber on it. And then he looked just really sad about how Very much cucumber sad. was on a salad. Saddest man yeah. to ever order a salad. Yeah. And then, and then he's it's so handsome. And so th- we had this whole idea of like this sad salad man trapped in like his business tower. <laughs> like, so, so there's going to be, I don't know when it will come out, but it'll working titles, English cucumber. And it's like a, re- a reverse Rapunzel of, mm-hmm. um, this guy ordering sad salads and the the woman who, 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 who rescues starts, him, who rescues from, his him corporate from his corporate prison. sad salad life. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. So, so good. One, I believe the, uh, our, our little like tagline was, it was going to be like Rapunzel meets while you were sleeping. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so that's right, We came up with a very non-coherent plot one night yes, too. Which, so I'm glad. Elements of that we can use, but which would yeah. be fine. Yeah. Um, so that will be a fairy tale remix. So then, then the next one, the Sea of Love, is called Maverick of the Sea, and it goes mm-hmm. in a very time jumps to like way in the future from where the other books are set. Um, yes. Well, and I, I, you and I have talked about this several times. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, that one needs a lot more research because it's got a World War II thing in it, and I realized I really. My World War II knowledge was like saving Friday Ryan. <laughs> like, that was it. And I was like, mm, I got to do more research. <laughs> um, good thing we no, have a friend. No, you don't. These are fantasy. These are fantasy, Come up right. with a, I, right. like, but I need Operation a little, Aquamarine and a then just like more. make it up. Um, so that one is, it has a cowboy and a mermaid. And again, I don't know when that's going to come out. And then very secretly, and I don't know if this will ever be under Laura Lovely or my own name, but I am, I am plotting a, um, more of a just kind of straight up fantasy, although it's got a little bit of like real, I don't know what to call it. Cause it's, it's not magical realism. That's like a certain tradition, but like, I don't know, life- fantasy. Yeah, just fantasy. Real life that goes into kind of fantasy. Um, yeah. But that is the mermaid book. And I don't think that it is a uh, romance, um, but it will, it, I can't really tell you. I don't, I don't know. Me. I don't know if you can help yourself. It will I have a happy ending. Yes, it will. it will. Yes, it will. Yeah. I, I can't not have a happy ending. It will be <laughs> someone. I, mean, I know that you've said the ending. You, you told me what you thought the ending was. I was like, yeah, you'll make it happy. I'll make Sorry. it happy. Someone will have self-actualization. I can promise that. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, so, yes, that one I'm not going to talk about because it, it may be my big blockbuster hit, and I don't want anybody to steal it. But, no, it's, um, I mean, I might steal it. But. You go ahead, Lindsay. Okay. Just, that's all, we have the same brain. Um, so, so yes, anyway, there will be at least two more in the Laura Lovely universe, hopefully sometime in 2020, but who, 
I never know what's going to happen to me. So, and you're going to put links of, to all the books. Yes. Um, and yes. You know, Laura lovely books. Yeah. Yes. And they're, they're an ebook right now, but by the time this is released, there will be paperbacks for everyone. Awesome. So, yeah. I think, well, I mean, thank you again for letting me come on and um, uh, talk to you about all this. I hope it was uh, helpful to your I audience mean, to I hear. Mean, I think they now, I thought they thought they knew the mermaids in my brain. But they don't know how many mermaids are in my brain. <laughs> and, and how deep, how deep do mermaids go? So deep, so deep. <laughs> well, thank you very much for yeah. having on. And Thanks. can I plug something? Yeah, go plug everything. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah. let me plug. Yeah. Um, I just had, uh, like I said, uh, if you've heard me on my podcast before, yeah. Women with Books, I also have a new book that's just come out. It's the second in my Royal series. Um, my first one came out last year, The Royal Runaway, which follows um, the aftermath of a princess who was left at the altar. And uh, as she goes on adventures to try and find out why the hell that groom left her at the altar. And then my second in that series came out this November. It's called The Royal Bodyguard. And it is uh, another princess in that same royal family. And she's also been in hiding. And you will find out why she's been in hiding and why that darn bodyguard won't leave her alone. Oh, so one of my favorite things about Lindsay is that, first of all, there's like a kingdom. So you get like this this history of a kingdom she made up, which is like great. And then there are like kissing and then sometimes there's like dead bodies. And so it's like, it's everything that you ever wanted in one book. Yeah, kissing, <laughs> yeah. explosions, uh, grandmas with swords. Yes! Ancient castles. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, especially with the Royal Bodyguard, the one that just came out, I really leaned into, I love um, like house porn. Yeah. Um, I love looking at properties. I love, so I was like, you know what? My princess has, and and her mother, um, the Duchess, has, they have properties all over yeah. Europe. And let me just like take you there. And, yeah. and oh, we don't have anything to do right now. Let's go to a new property. And our, our <laughs> So good. <laughs> which, um, which I think fits into the story. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just like, how do I get people from one fancy house to the next? <laughs> Ooh, that just gave me a good idea of like, if a mer- in my in my kingdom, like th- when the prince and the mermaid like go everywhere, there's always got to be a body of water nearby so she can swim. So then, yeah. what houses become abandoned because they don't have water nearby? And then what happens mm. to them? Mm. All right, we will. All right, there. but everybody, please do email <laughs> me with like whatever you want me to talk about for like mermaid mythology and mermaid babies and any questions you have, I'll answer them. But my yeah. ideas remain my own. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. That's no, fine. I'm sure there's a copyright issue, but I'll just talk on the podcast about whatever people want to talk about. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one wants to externally process your ideas more than Laura Von yeah. Holt. Yeah, I want to talk about all your movie ideas. As you can tell from this yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, well, Lindsay, thank you. Everybody go listen to Women With Books, and then um, you know what to do about this podcast. Just go subscribe and share it and tell all your friends. And lauralovelybooks.com and mermaidpodcast.com and me what you're doing you're doing oh i saw you're doing great so many podcasts so many podcasts (laughs) okay all right thank you Lindsay. thank you for joining me today if you love this conversation please leave a review or consider supporting the podcast at the link in the show notes for a list of books discussed in this episode and other fabulous content sign up for my newsletter at womenwithbooks.com and remember keep reading